All right, welcome back. It's 326 here on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Colby Daniels, Scott File alongside as well. We've got Steve McGeehee coming up from News 9 in just a few moments. We'll talk Thunder and also All-Star Weekend and festivities. Steve is live from Indianapolis where he got a uh, look at the, um, I guess the talk of the weekend so far has been the court, and he was taking some social media photos of that. We'll get his opinions on that here in a bit. Um, Coming up in the snack, we will run down not only big birthdays of the day, but every now and then we get one of these, and I I want to make sure that we discuss this in the snack. But um, I'll read you... So I'll give you a preview so you guys have time to form your opinions on this. But I'm going to read you a tweet. <laughs> okay. This was going around yesterday. Quote, I think 150K to 225K has to be the worst salary range for an individual. You make too much money to say bleep this place I quit, yet not enough to be financially free without a job for any significant amount of time. That was the tweet. So I want you guys to form your opinions on the nonsense that is. I think the 150K to 225K salary has to be the worst salary range that anyone can make, right? So question mark thoughts. <laughs> on I guess maybe, it depends where you live, right? Maybe an idiotic tweet. Again, that we get one of these every, every now and then that goes viral. And um, it just kind of gives you an idea of there is a section of society that has no idea no idea what the majority of us are out here doing at all. All right. Um, do you have any thoughts on what we just talked about a few moments ago with NBA and ratings? And I I know you said that, you know, they're they're trying something. And if that's the level that we're at now with trying something to increase or enhance um a professional sports league and look i get it it's the all-star weekend so not going to go overboard with it or anything else but i do find it weird that a league that is essentially catered towards a younger demo would you not agree that the nba and basketball in general is more catered to a younger demo than any other professional sport that is out there right now without question yeah without question so it, close, right? is it simply because younger demos aren't watching live television and aren't subscribing to things is why we see a significant drop off in ratings for the NBA. But yet I think all of us would also kind of tip our cap to the amazing job that the association has been to do has has been able to do with things like NBA Twitter, with things like NBA Reddit. They steal a very large portion of the conversations, even sometimes in the middle of football season, with these topics. Whether they are factual or not, they at least garner a ton of attention from people. So you do have a significant number of people that are consuming the product. It just doesn't reflect that in the ratings. And that is something that I think that the NBA and television networks are having a very hard time trying to put their finger on with exactly what is happening. Some of it's also got to be oversaturation, right? I mean, you just have so many games over such a long period of time 
And if you're not already an NBA fan and you don't already have an investment, I mean, we talked about this yesterday with just the, the general sports fan and how many different directions they're being pulled in now from a time standpoint and a financial standpoint, right? Like you just can't invest all of your time and money into, you know, that many different pots uh, in terms of all the different networks that sports are on, the, you know, the amount of availability. And I think if you're, if you're choosing where to devote most of your attention, a league that, that feels like it lasts as long as the NBA does. And, you know, it, portions of the regular season feels like it's so irrelevant and I, yes. I thought for a while you know having superstars missing games played a role in that yeah I think it's probably easy for somebody that's not a giant NBA fan to take a step back and look in other directions and it's so odd I, I heard someone not necessarily talking about this same exact scenario but a portion of it I I'm intrigued by and it was um, back in the 90s when when Jordan was running the joint, you, you had a, a player that is absolutely generational and one of the greatest to ever do it that made people from a variety of, walk of, of walks of life want to tune in and just watch him do his thing. And some people hated him, so they tuned in to watch him do it and, and root against him. And then... Those that didn't were just amazed at what they were watching, and they had a much better appreciation and understanding of what they're watching, and the numbers reflected that. Like, we're coming, we came out of that, and then we went into the LeBron era, and LeBron, uh, I think it's just the, 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 the era that we're in where LeBron would talk more, and people are like, why don't you just stop and be quiet and, and say this? I mean, that turned into a whole social thing as well, and people turned their backs Wasn't on it. shut up and dribble Yes, thing? like yeah. all of that stuff and nonsense that was said. Um, but LeBron, like, turned a lot of people off. Like, Jordan didn't really talk a whole lot, and when he did, he was just a straight-up gangster about it, and people would tune in. So, I don't know. It's a it's a very weird thing here. Um, all right. I want to carry this over in a bit. I know Steve has to go here in a few moments. Our next guest, Steve McGeehee from News 9, who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder. We've only got about 15 minutes with him. Uh, Steve, I saw some of your posts earlier today on social media. By the way, dude, thanks for joining us, man. Long time, no chat. Oh, no problem, no uh, problem. Were you talking, talking about Jordan there? Well, Jordan? well, we were. We were just talking about, like, ratings in general with the NBA and how it's weird that – um, a sport that is geared towards the younger generation as much as what the NBA is, is lacking, and they're the only professional sport that's seen kind of the ratings go the opposite direction from the national landscape. So we're just trying to just figure out different things and, you know, solve the problems of the world for the NBA here on uh, Sports Talk Radio. Well, this event right here in Indianapolis, it's global. There is a lot of international media here for this. So you think about, hey, it's not just us in America. It, it is worldwide for sure. And I was, you know, I'm in the minority. I was one of those that rooted against Michael Jordan. I wanted the other team to win. Yeah. He still, he still pushed off on Biden and wrestled there in Utah. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up a Portland Trailblazers fan, so I'm, like, so mad that they take Sam Bowie. And then uh, Chicago goes, yeah, we'll take Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, and that's how it all started. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you, you had a picture earlier today. And I saw the photos of what the court was going to look like that leaked out uh, a few weeks ago. And it's the, the closest thing that I could say that it reminded me of is 
what they do now in Vegas with the with the Golden Knights and the projection on the ice for the entrance on that. You take that, and now, like, the LED screens are underneath a glass floor that these guys are going to play on this weekend. How weird is that up close and in person? It uh, Well, they, had the, they have several different versions of the floor they could put on underneath, and they had the wood floor, and if you're looking from in the stands, you would think that was a wood floor. Uh, that's how realistic it looks. It's, it's incredible. Uh, I listened to the guy talk about it earlier today. It's labor-intensive. It took a while to get this put together. So, you know, the question was asked, hey, is this the future of the NBA? Are we going to start seeing courts like this? And, you know, he didn't want to say yes, but on down the road maybe. But but it takes a while to get that court set up. And if you have a, an arena that's shared with a hockey team and they play the next night, that's not going to work. So uh, maybe on down the road we'll see some courts like this, but not anytime soon. But it, it looks incredible. Uh you know, like I say, you can hardly tell you're playing on glass. There's little round bumps on it, on a, kind of like a real mild, like sandpaper almost. The guys, I don't think they're going to skin their knee playing on it. But uh, it, it just, it was, I was wow. I, just, I didn't want to leave. I just want to keep staring at it and see all the different things you could do. But does it have that same feel as a typical floor, though, Steve? I mean, we, yeah, well, you bounce um, that ball on there and you kind of get that, you know, it just kind of reverberates off of it a little bit. Well, I'm sure they've they've worked that out so the ball doesn't bounce too high or too low. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like a, a disco dance floor in the '70s a little bit. <laughs> the kind of glass, looking for the, the the disco ball above to spin around. You know, that's maybe yes. that's the, after the game, but it kind of reminded me of that, like a dance floor uh, for the disco. You know, I, I wasn't in; I was a teenager. But you see Saturday Night Fever, and you see those disco floors. That's what it kind of reminded me a little bit of. Uh, but uh, very cool, very cool, and. I'm interested to see, you know, 20 years from now, if this is the wave of the future. Steve, what is the what is the biggest headline for All-Star Weekend? Is it is it an individual player or, you know, how do you kind of look at, at where you stack the narratives going into this weekend? I would say it's probably another trip for LeBron James. That's probably number one. You look at all the uh, the, the, um, the advertising around here, LeBron's on the face right up front. You know, with guys behind him like Shea and Luca, uh, him and other parents here, you kind of wonder how many more times is he going to be playing in an All Star game? Would this be the last one, or will he be able to do it next year or so? Duran also, I think this is his 16th. Is his 16th All Star game? Like that was, or 16th season in the NBA? Guys like that. The storyline is also that you finally got East versus West. You're no longer picking players like they did last year. And I wasn't a big fan of that, so it's a it's a solid East versus West. That's a good storyline as well. But um, um, the three point contest is pretty good it, it locally. You know, it helps with Shea being it, and not Shea, but Trey Young, out of Norman, former Sooner. He's going to be in that on Saturday night and also playing in the game on Sunday. But I would say LeBron is the number one storyline because you've got to think how many more years is he going to be playing in the NBA All-Star game. As much as we're kind of in this technical world with a floor, the East-West back does kind of give it at least somewhat of a, an old-school feel to it. I'm like you. I didn't really like the drafting of teams, and uh-huh. I know you got to try to refresh things and keep things up. It's, I mean, it's still an All-Star game at its, you know, <laughs> and you can put the significance on that as, as far as you want, but if you're asking guys like me that grew up in 80s and 90s basketball, like East versus West, that just kind of that, that had more oomph to it than drafting teams. No, oh, I was certainly watching those games in the in the 70s and 80s, the East versus West. You know, you got Bird versus Magic, a, a lot of great rivalries. I mean, they were fun to watch, and 
back then they were they were trying. They were working hard for it. There was there was no defense, you know, kind of standing still doing nothing. They were working hard for every point, especially in the fourth quarter. And I, I, I hope to see that again coming up on Sunday night, maybe in the fourth quarter, you see a little more emphasis to try to win this game. That's uh, fingers crossed for that because it's kind of slipped a little bit over the years as we've seen the scores, you know, go way up in numbers, you know, which is great to see the offense, but you want to see a little bit of defense too. Regardless of how good a player Shea is, where is his star power on a weekend like this? Like, is he, is he one of the bigger stars of this weekend with, with some of the more notable names or maybe guys that have been mm-hmm. stars for significantly longer? Yeah, he's somewhere in the middle, I would say. Giannis, LeBron, Kevin. Uh, he's probably in the uh, Devin Booker. Uh, I'm trying to think of maybe uh, in the Luca range, that right there, but he's not top three, top four probably, but he's somewhere high middle, if that makes sense. Um, it'd be interesting he, you know, to see what he does. This is only a second All-Star game, so hopefully he's got many more to come and his name gets up there. He's still considered young compared to some of the guys that are here, like Kawhi Leonard. They've been here for quite some time as well. But um, I would say somewhere in the upper middle, if that makes sense, of where he's at right now. Does that type of stuff matter to him? Does he covet not, to take that next level? It, it doesn't. I don't think that stuff matters to him. What matters to him right now is winning a championship. That's that, that's number one on his mind. Uh, he just wants to win and, and win a championship in Oklahoma City. Have they I, – I, so I read this comment from Jalen Williams, and, and he said, you know, I feel like that we have become the hunted. Do you kind of get that sense from traveling with them uh, across the course of the year and, and being there night in, night out, that they have kind of this – they are the hunted version now with how this first half of the season has gone so far? Yeah, I started noticing it probably about a month ago, but when they played at Detroit a couple of Sundays ago, Detroit played incredible. <laughs> if Detroit played like that all the time, they may have a winning record right now. But So teams are playing their best against them. We saw that in Dallas last weekend. I think Dallas kind of wanted to owe him one after already losing earlier in the season to the Thunder in downtown Dallas. So they were ready for that one as well. But, yeah, they are one of the hunted for sure. You know, just like the Lakers have to deal with it every night as well. And uh, the Milwaukee's dealing with it right now. The Clippers are dealing with it a little bit. So, uh, you know, and Mark Dagnall loves that. He, he doesn't want their opponent to back down and hand them the win. He wants to see his team get tested in every quarter with different defenses, different strategies to try to beat his team, it's only going to make them stronger, you know, for the rest of the regular season and certainly in the playoffs. It's much needed time off for everybody in the NBA, but how how needed was this all-star break for this Thunder roster? And then more specifically, how, how needed is this break for Chet and where do you kind of see his his gas tank at this point in the season? Yeah, it's amazing. I think, has he, I think he's played in every game. Is that correct? I think you're right, yes. <laughs> that, that's incredible for two rookies to play in every game. Of course, Chet saw a lot of, a lot of games last year from the sidelines, so I'm sure that, that was motivation right there. And like, you know what, if they let me do it, I'm not sitting out this year. I want to play. I got, I'm tired of watching basketball games from the sidelines. I want to play. So, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle him the rest of the way. Maybe that last couple of games that they already have their seating in the West set, they may rest him up. That's pretty common for a lot of teams out there. But uh, he has a high ceiling. You know, he's still going to have some bad games. and He had a little bit of turnover issue in Orlando, but he made up for it with block shots and hit some threes. 
I thought that was a good win against the Magic a couple of nights ago. And this break, you know, January was just nonstop. Uh, I think I was home maybe three days. And so this break is great for them because they played Tuesday night. And then there's still, there's still teams playing tonight before the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. So this team gets a nice, uh, what, about eight days off? Let's see what we got here. They're off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They'll do a light workout next Wednesday. So that is a great break for this team. Of course, the guys that are here, Shea, Case, and uh, J-Dub and, and Chet, got to do this. And then I'm sure Saturday, Sunday night or sooner they'll get on the plane and go somewhere for a couple of days to get away from it. Or maybe they'll just go back home and rest. So this is a great break for the team because that, that January and that early schedule in February, it seems like it was nonstop. Last question for Steve McGee because he's got a run uh, from News 9 in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's in Indianapolis, by the way, for the All-Star weekend. Uh, how much fun do you project this second half of the season to be with how tight, you know, the first one through four, five, and then even teams like Phoenix now that are getting a little bit healthier, you know, don't look now, but here comes Golden State with Seth kind of being rejuvenated mm-hmm. a bit. But how much fun is the second half going to be? It's going to be just as challenging as it was in January. I, I kind of look at the schedule a little bit more to kind of see where they're at. And they open up back at home next week against the Clippers. How about that for a starter mm. coming right out of the gate? The Clippers are just right behind in the standings. Uh, you're done with Minnesota, but you got to play the Clippers one more time. And then they, they have a, some horrible back-to-backs. Minnesota's got some, some winnable back-to-backs, but the Thunder, they have a back-to-back where they play in Phoenix, and then the next night they play in the Lakers. Then they have one where they play in Philadelphia, and the next night they play in Boston. So those are two really hard back-to-backs that Thunder will be facing in the second half of the season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm sure those spots, probably one, two, three, four, five, are going to shift back and forth as, as the month goes on and into April. So, you know, the Thunder, remember, they have the last four games at home. That be, could be very crucial and really help them out as they try to jockey for position in the Western Conference. Steve, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for joining us uh, from Indianapolis. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll check in again soon. All right, take care, gentlemen. That is Steve McGee joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from News 9 in OKC. As uh, we have several representatives from the Thunder franchise that will be taking place in activities all across the All-Star weekend. There's no way, there's no way that floor feels even remotely close to a regular basketball court at all. And if you know how picky some of those guys are with the way the floor is and there's a dead spot here and how the ball reacts to it off of the off the bounce, it'll be interesting to see if the players are actually in favor of this happening. You know, because sometimes leagues just do things without actually asking the guys that have to deal with it on a night-in, night-out basis on what their thoughts and feelings are, so we'll see if that ends up being a story from the weekend. I mean, uh, NFL players haven't liked their surfaces for years. No, so, they haven't you know, at all. And I'm the, sure the NBA is like, deal with it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, and even with the complaints that the players have had, the league still wants to just throw down, you know, sod over the top of field turf at practice facilities for only the biggest game of the season, like a week before the teams are supposed to go practice. But I'm not bitter or anything about that, you know, while another team gets to practice in the most pristine practice facility in the entire NFL. You know, hashtag just saying. That could be me being a little have, bit bitter. Linebackers though. going down with injuries, non-contact. That's right. So. If the NFL had cared about the practice field, that would have happened to Dre Greenlaw. Damn you, Roger Goodell. Damn you. All right, we'll take a timeout.
Uh, I do feel like it, I have an obligatory uh, requirement for San Antonio stuff here real quick. Um, I won't talk about Wimby the rest of the day, but last night he became the first player in NBA history with 150 blocks, 150 assists, and 75 or more uh, three-pointers made in a season. So there's that for the <laughs> wee little rookie out of <laughs> France. <laughs> I love the random, like, 75. Yeah. I mean, 75, three, 150 of this, 150 of that. And then let's, let's set this number at 75. Yeah, of course. You know, anything to uh, make statistics work for you, right? You know, the famous 150, 150, 75 club. Of course, because everyone has just dreamed about being a part of that. You know, kind of how it used to be like, oh, we want to be a part of the 40, 40 club. And then that, that changed. And once Jose Canseco got that, but yeah, the uh, 150, <laughs> 150 75 club is 150 squared 75 club is uh <laughs> there's a member of one right now and it is uh Wimby also a thousand career points for uh the, the little guy from France all right we'll take a time out we'll come back with more next year on the Blitz 1170 Colby Daniels has the reins we've got a snack for you Colin Kennedy is coming up at the five o'clock hour as well here on the Blitz as we are streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios